All right, good morning. Let's just pray, hey? Jesus. God, open our ears this morning. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Let us hear you. Let us see you. Let us leave this morning having known you better, Jesus. Let us leave this morning with a fire and a passion to spend more time with you, to be before you more. Lord, I pray that anything that comes out of my mouth that's not of you may it fall to the ground, Lord. But the things you want to say here this morning, may they catch fire in our heart and set us ablaze for you. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Look at this. There's a golden lion up here. That's fantastic. Man, what a week, hey? I've put more tears and boogers into this carpet than it's been for a long time, I think. We coroned, wiped it down. It's okay. We vacuumed. <laughs> We've dry vacked and cleaned it. It's fine. But I just... There's just something on the moment that God is doing that's just breaking things off our hearts. We were here on Wednesday and there was just a, a presence of the Lord like I haven't quite experienced before. It wasn't, I don't know, it was, it was different. There was, there was something in a, in a unity of people. There was something in, in, a, in an excitement of, of people just coming and humbly saying, I don't know why I'm here, but I just want to come before God. And if you want to come on Wednesday morning, we meet here at 9.30, no pressure. We just pray until... Someone goes home and then we all kind of go home. It's just like whoever goes home first, really. I don't know how it ends. They just end. But come and do that. But I just really feel like there's this drive that God's operating in at the moment where we, if we can bring ourselves before him, if we can actually posture ourselves, then he will start to speak and start to break out things in us that need to be removed. I'm reading a book at the moment um, by a guy named Mark Sayers called The Reappearing Church. And it's quite interesting. It's quite a good book. He's speaking about how the contemporary church operates in a, in a post-Christian world, being that society is moving away from Christian values, is moving away from the judo-Christian way of life, and things are being established outside of Christ, outside of the church. A long time ago, everything was fashioned around the church. Most of the Western laws come from um, judo-Christian values. Most of the ways people bring their kids up, in, in the olden days, were based around that, whether they were a Christian or not. But as we move forward, as we head into more and more of the world, further and further away, so he's writing about how the church stays not relevant, not to look like the world, but how we stay active in a world. And he explained something that was quite interesting, and God highlighted it to me, and, and then from that teased out what I'm going to share on this morning. But he, he showed a picture of a water tank, and he explained how a water tank was used. And he explained it in way of how culture is built in a city, how culture is built in a, in a people. But he explained this water tank. And when he was explaining it, man, it just hit me as to that's why we're in the place we're in. But a water tank typically works that it it's, has an open roof or it has a roof where the rain falls, it catches, and the water stores up in the tank, right? Then you plug a hose into the tank, not quite straight into the tank, but you get where I'm going with this. You plug a hose in the tank and then the water can be dispelled out from the tank. And he was explaining that in a rainy season, the tank water gets moved 
over and over because you use the water a lot because it's raining. You don't feel like we have to store it up. So you tend to use the water. So the water in the tank stays fresh because it's being emptied and refilled, emptied and refilled, emptied and refilled. But what happens when, this, when the rain stops and you go into a season where there's not much rain, you tend to not want to use the water because we don't have a whole lot. When I lived in casino, we used to be on, on water and mum used to bash on the shower door. Like you swear, you'd just turn the tap on. Turn it on and mum's bashing on the door. That's four minutes. I'm like, mum, it's 30 seconds. I've barely even stood in the thing. Don't waste the water. We don't have much left. But the water in the tank tends to then start to go a bit rank. And you can't, the further along without rain you get, the closer to should we drink it or do we buy water, right? Everyone understands that. And in this picture that, that this, this guy Mark was painting was that that's what the church has been for so long. That the church on a Sunday morning, the gathering of the saints on a Sunday morning has filled up the water tank. And what we then do is when people, the trees come in, is we spray the trees down with the water. But the problem is, is that when a tree grows, a tree will take as much nutrients and as much goodness out of water as it can get. So if you're only spraying a tree every now and again, it'll only take what it can get, which means it'll only grow as big as the amount of water that you can give it. So when we start to understand this analogy that there's, there's water that's been in the tank that's gone stale. There's water that's been filling up in the tank of Christianity, in the tank of the church for so long that it's been a little bit stale. It hasn't been with, and in this last COVID period where there hasn't been much filling, guess what? There hasn't been a great deal of watering. So the trees are starting to get shrivel. The trees are starting to get frustrated and sick of coming, sick of doing this. I'm tired of reading this. I'm tired of looking. I'm tired of asking God why, because there's no water. The trees are getting smaller and shriveling. For so long, we've heard language of outpouring, revival, people crying out for revival, crying out for an outpouring God. Send something, send something more. And this is good. I think we should be asking for revival. We should be asking for outpouring. But the problem is, is that when we have a water tank mentality, we're all good until it fills up. And then we go, yes, I'm good to go for the next little while. I'll be a bit more vigilant with my spraying of the trees. I'll be a bit more able to water the things, to water the things around me. But the problem is, is that the drought will come again. Jesus, uh, sorry, God says, I'll show in a minute. God says that there will be a drought on the land. I will send a drought on the land. And what happens in the droughty time is that we start to use the water in our tank until they're empty, and then we become frustrated and burnt out and sick and tired of the Christian way, sick and tired of the system, sick and tired of reading my scriptures, worshiping and praying because I'm just too tired today. But the problem is, is that in this COVID time, we have been in a drought. We have been without water. We have been go home and try and fill your tank up. We haven't been given the skills or the ability to fill our tanks back up so everything is dry and frustrated and we're waiting, please open the churches again so that I can go back in and get my fill again. But this is what Jeremiah says, 17, chapter 17, verse 7 to 8. Sorry, verse 5 to 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. 
but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. At the moment, I was praying here on Thursday night and I saw a picture of all these burnt trees in a desert land. But as the, as the picture panned, I saw hundreds of trees beginning to make their way toward the edge where the water was. See, in a desert, a tree can find, send its roots out to find where the streams are, to find where the water is, and it draws all of its nutrients, all of its goodness out of the river. So it doesn't need rain. It doesn't worry about how much should I use because there's, there's an abundance in the river. So it just draws and draws and draws until it doesn't need any more. So it'll grow and grow and grow because the water that it's getting is getting straight from the stream to fill itself up. What in the world does this have to do with the outpouring and the renewal. If we keep the mindset of filling up my tank to water down the trees, it will go empty again. And God will need to send another revival because we will kill the tree yet again. If you go back and look at the revivals in the past, God set a plan and a purpose for a revival to roll through a people and to keep rolling and keep rolling. But what happened was, was pride in every single one of them. Pride got in and man decided, I want it done my way. And we removed ourselves away from the river, back into the tank, back into I'll teach the people how to get it. I'll be the one who sprays down the trees. One of the problems in, in the early Catholicism where the, the Reformation needed to come out was that the, the, the Pope decided early on that the, the scriptures would only be read in Latin. They would only be expressed in one language and it was the language of the rich folk. It was the language of the minority of people so that they could control the narrative, so that they could piecemeal what God has for you. In a way, we've created an environment where we're piecemealing the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're piecemealing the filling up of the things to say, come and get your tank filled and then go home and you can water the little bits and pieces you have. But God's not asking us to do that. God's asking us to learn how to plan ourselves solidly by his stream, by his river, and allow our root systems to go out to draw on him all the time. We have to learn, we have to understand what does it mean for us to plan ourselves by the river, plan ourselves on his banks to draw in from him, to draw in from what it is, that there is a time coming that we're already in and there's a time coming where the drought is going to get droughtier. When, when, when the water stops raining, when the churches stop being able to do and they have to move into different places, you need to be planted by the river where you're drawing the nutrients in from God. You're drawing in the things that he says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, like a tree planted. When we trust, when we give ourselves to God and we plant ourselves by his river and draw in his nutrients, his goodness, we don't ever have to position ourselves where, oh, I hope it doesn't stop raining because there's always water. 
There's always nutrients. There's always things coming in. There's always stuff that's happening. In Psalm 46.4, it says, There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Habitation means the natural home or environment the natural home or environment of an animal, plant, or organism. To habitate is to make that place your home. So when we habitate by the river of God, we make that place our home. We make our first response to everything that happens, go back and draw water from the river. Go back and draw water from the river. So everything that happens, we go back to the river. We go back to the river. We go back to the river, then our tank never ever gets empty. We never become frustrated and beat because Ben's preaching's been off this week or worship just wasn't quite on the ticket of what I needed because it doesn't come from that. It comes from your understanding of drawing it out of the river. Please, please don't rely on me. I'm going to stuff it up. I might have a run of cracking sermons, but then I'm going to have some garbage ones. Why? Because I'm a man. I'm a human. I struggle. I ask God why often. I throw my toys out of the cot as well. (laughs) I spit my dummy just as much as everybody. Just because I get to stand here and preach, God's given me something. He's given me a voice. Doesn't mean I'm a hero. Doesn't mean that I'm not fallible. Doesn't mean that I can't accidentally give myself or purposely give myself to darkness. I've said many times from this barrel, go home and research everything I say. Look for it in the scriptures. Ask God if I'm right. Ask him to show you what I've been showing you. Why? Because if I'm wrong, I want to know too. I want you to come and say, hey bro, I saw this thing. I have all the time in the world to speak through the scriptures if it's done in an honourable and loving way. I have all the time in the world. I will sit for hours and talk through the scriptures. Why? Because I want to know. But my job is not to come and to give you a little fill up on the tank so that you go home and you feel better during the week. That's not what the, the gathering of the saints was meant to do. That should be being done every minute of every day where you're planted by the river and you draw up from him. We have to ensure that we become, that the river becomes a habitation, that our trees are habitated next to the river to allow our, our vines to go in, to allow everything that we have. If you've got a Bible with me, go to 2 Chronicles 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And we'll start from verse 12. That worship was phenomenal this morning. And I want to challenge you without being, I'm not sure what the word is, without being rude. I want to make a challenge. If you found that difficult this morning, if you found that long and lengthy and hard to be in that place, go home 
and practice getting in his presence. I had someone say to me, yeah, Ben, but that's really, that's not fair because you can do it really easily and I don't do it really easily. And I, I was very gracious to the person I was talking to, but in that moment I thought, yeah, but I wish that I could show you the times where it wasn't easy for me. I wish that I could reveal to you the times where I was frustrated and upset with God because I'm on my knees and I'm feeling nothing and I'm looking at the clock and I'm tired. But that this morning, what we're able to go into is an overflow and a result of what's happened in the quiet place, of what's happened in that time. What Shez shared this morning that she heard Jesus say, I'm there in your midst. That's been a long journey of her working out. Yeah, but Ben, nothing happens. Nothing's happening. Until the day that it does happen. And like Shez, she rings me, Ben, it happened. Something happened. Yeah, because you've now started to understand how to speak to God. It's become not awkward. It's become normal. It's become natural because you've spent time and time and time again. You said, I'm going to plant my tree by the river and I'm going to draw up from that. And it's going to become my habitation, my dwelling place. I will never, ever pressure somebody to read their scriptures or to pray, but I tell you, it is the most incredible thing that you can do. But it takes time. It's like running. It's like going for a run. It sucks for the first little while. It's hard. It's difficult. You've got to put your joggers on, and you've got to talk yourself into it, and you've got to get out there. But all of a sudden, it gets easier, and it gets easier. It gets more exciting and more exciting. And then all of a sudden, God starts to move, and now you're hearing things all over the place. And then you get to go through the journey with people saying to you, yeah, but it's easy for you. Yeah, because I've done the hard yards. And then when God pulls me into something even greater, I'm going to have to do the hard yards into that. When you see a famous, amazing prophet, when you hear a guy speak and he sees all these things and he's revealing stuff and you're like, man, he speaks to God so often. Yeah, but he spent so long. He spent so long learning so long on his knees, so long planting himself by the river to draw the nutrients of God. A tree will grow as big as the amount of nutrients it can take in. If we go back to just spraying it down with a hose from time to time, get your fill on a Sunday morning, spray it down with a hose, it's not going to grow very big. And then we're going to wonder why are there so many people who aren't very big because they haven't planted themselves by the river to take the nutrients every day. How? How do I plant myself by the river? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and he said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place myself as a house of sacrifice. Wow. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. 
Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Two words that jump out at this verse and punch me very hard. The first is sacrifice. The second is humility. They are the two wrestles that we have in our generation right now. They are the two issues that we have in the building and moving forward of the church right now. Sacrifice and humility. Jesus shows up to Solomon and says, Solomon, I will make, I've chosen this place for myself. And he's going, yes. Woo. For, for sacrifice. For you to give everything you have. That's what he establishes right there. In this place, I will give you, Solomon, I will give you everything. I'll give you all that I am. And in this place, I will heal your land and I'll take away the pain, the suffering that's been happening. However, I need one thing from you. Uh, Yes, Lord, what's that? Everything. I'm going to need everything from you. I'm going to need for this to be a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, not if, when, and I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, bring themselves to a place where they get to their knees and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about my job. It's not about my furthering of me. It's about you. What do I do here? What do I do? When we get to that place, when we get to that place, I was praying during the week and I said to God, God, I I will make this house a house of sacrifice. Even if it's just Jess and I left. I will make this house a house of sacrifice because that's what you've asked of us. We will humble ourselves to worship you and to pray and to bring ourselves into your presence because that's what you've asked of us. If my people called by my name humble themselves, pray, then I will hear them. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. We at the very moment are in a time where there is no rain. Where the pestilence is devouring the nations. We are in this time right now. We are in this time where everyone who had been in church for so long, Ario gave that vision of a hungry bear that we had been eating and eating and had our fill, but then we went into winter to summer to come through that time. But what happened in that time was that there was no filling of the tanks, so all the tanks are empty. That's why right now we have a a generation of people saying, I don't know if I want to go back to church. I don't know if I want to gather with the saints anymore. I don't know if I want to continue to read my Bible and press into God. I just can't be bothered right now. I'm too busy with everything else. Why? Because their tanks are empty. Because there's no rain happening. There's no filling. There's no good pick-me-up. There's no good feel great and I get to walk in. It's just not there anymore. 
But God's saying, I have chosen you as a people of sacrifice. Turn your eyes to me. Seek my face. Let go of your wicked ways. And I will hear you and restore your land. But I need sacrifice and I need humility in a people to agree for them to come into what I have for them. Does that make sense? Does that scare the pants off anybody? Yes, it does for me. Why? Because I go home and I go, God, I don't know. I don't know what else to give you. And there's this encouragement from God to say, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep giving me who you are. Keep giving me everything that you are. Keep giving me what, what you have in your hands. As he said to Moses, I want to read you something that just dropped into my heart. I had a message from Jiva, my friend in India. He wrote me a message that says, I asked him how things were going. He wrote this, God is doing wonderful things in our life. God bought one more family. They are staying with us in the church. They lost everything in a financial struggle, so they left their own town and by walk, they came to our place more than 800 kilometers to find God. Through my friend, I came to know and we shared the gospel to them. We provided basic needs and now they're staying with us and helping in the church ministry. 800 kilometers they walked. Why? Because there was a man who knew of a God who could help them because their God had abandoned them. 800 kilometers. They put on their boots and said, I've got to go. There's got to be something in the next town that's better than what I've got here. But this is going to cost you everything. Yeah, but I might gain everything. It might cost me everything. But I might gain more than I've ever had. That's a people who have learned how to put their river by the stream. I get off the phone with Jiva and I feel almost discouraged because he's so encouraging. And I listen to his stories and I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord, help us. He's just out there kicking kingdom goals like you've never, and he's pumped. Yeah, we've got people coming in, people going, people we're looking after who have passed away, people who want to give their life to God. And he's so encouraged about who God is. He's so on fire. Why? Because his tree is planted solidly by the river and everything that he is is drawn up from who God is. His, there is so much fruit on his tree. Why? Because there's so much there's so much water, there's so much nutrients coming in from God that the fruit is plentiful because the option to get the water is plentiful. If my people who accord by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Jump to Jeremiah 4, if you can. Is this okay? It's a bit all over the shop, but I don't really know how to get it out because I just feel like if we can just get this. Do you have something you want to share? Yeah, come. Come use this. Get on the 
just as you were sharing, Ben, this um, thing just came into my heart, like you're reading a really powerful scripture, and I just felt like this daily repentance, joyful repentance, we've heard that before, and it's this place of great freedom, and it's every day the way we can connect with what you're saying um, is actually allowing the Holy Spirit just to speak to our hearts about things that we need to let go, whether they're big or small. And this is how we keep our heart pure and a heart of flesh before God, just connecting with that every day. And Lord, would you forgive me of the things that I've done against you? I want to be for you and not against you. And this in turn gives us a great heart of flesh to receive, to have high level of conviction in our heart and closeness to Jesus. And um, that just came on me, bro, just as you were sharing that. And so I just wanted to say that. Yeah, that's good. And that's, that, that is how we daily step this out. And this is difficult from a place where without opening up a massive can of worms, that we have to actually challenge through. Right? We, we, we've had taught for so long that we shouldn't speak anything into existence that's not there. So if you start to get a cough, don't say, I, I might have a cough, because then you're bringing that upon yourself. It's been a massive teaching, and there is some validity to that. But what we also can't do is run away from what's really in front of us. We can't lie to ourselves every day because, well, I don't want to speak about it, so I won't say it. No, you've got to actually deal with what's in front of you. I could sit and explain to you for, for an hour as to why fruit and nut chocolate is good for me and is going to help me on my diet plan. <laughs> I could give you a cracking example. But at the end of the day, when I close the door to my home and everyone leaves and the sun goes down, I have to look at myself and go, Ben, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. Just because it's got fruits and nuts in it doesn't mean that it's good for you. You're actually lying to yourself. So address the problem, remove it, and then get on with it. So it's not, it's not horrible to say, hey, God, I don't know how to remove this thing from my life. I know it's there. I know it's there. But, but the reality is, is that you're bigger than this thing that's in my life. The truth is that it's there, but the reality is that you're bigger than it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold this thing, my fruit and nut chocolate, and I'm going to ask you to remove it from me. Like David, search my heart and find the things that are there that I don't want there anymore. There's a difference in, in, in the truth and the reality of it. Christ has beaten those things. The power of the cross has removed those things for our lives, but we can still operate in those things if we so choose. But we have to decide to step out of it and step into who it is that he says we are, the reality of him. Jeremiah 4, if you return, O Israel, declares the Lord to me, you should return. If you come back from that place, you should come back to me. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives in truth, in justice, and in righteousness, then nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. 
Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. We have to position ourselves in a place where we remove the garbage from our heart. God is a gentleman. He has given us the opportunity to operate in free will. If you want it, he'll let you keep it, even to your detriment. The father in the prodigal son, the father allows the son to leave even to his detriment because it wouldn't have been loving to lock him in his house and say, you can't go. In that story, the father opens his hand. He says, this is going to be the worst decision you're ever going to make. I'm doing it. You're not going to enjoy this. I'm doing it. You're going to wreck all of your inheritance. I'm doing it. And he leaves. But it's him that has to come back. The father doesn't chase him. The father doesn't run down the path. Please, please. He says, you're a big boy. You've got the maturity in your heart. You make the choice. But I'm telling you, you're not making the right one. We have to get to a place where we remove the hardness from our heart, where we remove Like David says, come, Lord, find the things in my heart that aren't of you. I'm almost finished. I just want to finish with this one more thing. If you can go to John 15. Verse 1. It says this. I am the the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus speaking, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every fruit branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There is so much in this verse. There is so much that God is revealing. But I went on a bit of a journey to find out what in the world a vine dresser does. Because he makes quite clearly that he's a vine, that the father is a vine dresser. A vine dresser had had four primary jobs to do with the vine. He would prune it. He would do pest management. He would do irrigation. And he would harvest the vine. That was the job of the vine dresser, to prune. Pruning is a central task as it removes the dead, diseased or stunt Stunted branches to make room for new growth, ultimately leading to a healthy and productive vine. This verse says that everyone that's in me doesn't bear fruit. He takes away and every branch that does, he prunes. There is a pruning that has to take place in the church. And pruning is not fun. It's never exciting. It's never a good, ooh, feel good being pruned. It's awful but it brings about more fruit. It cuts away the things that don't need to be there in order for more fruit to grow. What God is doing, I believe, right now in the church is he is cutting away those that bear no fruit and he's pruning those who do. Why? So they can come in to more fruit, 
to more to be harvested. But that fruit only grows when we bring ourselves back in to the vine, back in to Jesus. He says that no branch on its own will produce fruit. So if there's no fruit being produced in somebody's life, it's because there's an absence of an understanding and a walking in Christ. There's an absence of submitting to his headship, of submitting to his lordship because he's not grafted in. And the fear of that for me that brings me to my knees is that it will be removed. It will no longer produce fruit. It will no longer come to that place. The second thing that it does that the, the vine dresser does is pest management. He, ref, he effectively eradicates pests from the crop. I need some, I enjoy some pest management on the vine. He removes the things that are hurting us. He removes the things that are coming at us. He removes the place, the things that, that are eating away the fruit, that are eating away who we are. That's why the Bible says to, to dwell in the place of the Almighty, to dwell in His shadow because it's there that we receive the pest management. It's there that we see protection from the things that are attacking us. Very quickly, I had a dream two nights ago and I was standing on, or three nights ago, I was standing on a balcony and I was overlooking this vast, um, like, open field. And on the balcony, there was a couch. And there was my, I was standing there. And I knew that there was a cat with me, but I couldn't see the cat. And I looked over the balcony because I felt like something was coming up. And I looked over. And as I looked up, there was a ladder that came all the way up this tower. And there was an alligator climbing up the, the ladder. And... As I, I began to panic, I yelled inside for someone, whoever was in there, the cat. I knew it was a cat. I yelled inside, come and get this alligator. And as I did, the alligator jumped through the palings and landed on the couch. And just as the alligator was about to get me, a lion came out from behind me and grabbed the alligator by the stomach and threw it over the, the fence. And I woke up like awake, sitting in my bed. I said, God, what was that? And he said to me, I will not let the evil come to the high places. In the high places, you are completely protected by me. In the places of worship, in the places of glorification with me, you are protected from the things of evil, from the things that will come and try to steal, rob and destroy. And this morning as I was just worshipping, I felt God say, this is the place I'm talking about. This is the high place that you are protected, that your people are protected in this place. So if you're feeling beat, if you're feeling ripped apart, if you're feeling weary and tired, it's that place. It's that place we go where God says, in this place, you are protected and you are mine. In the valley, we will fight. But in this place, there is wholeness and protection. Irrigation, the last one is to harvest, to bring in the fruit produced, produced by the trees. We have heard it prophesied, said, read about that there is a great end time harvest coming. The thing with an end time harvest is that we need end time plants and trees to be producing fruit. God is calling us to be out in that place producing the fruit that God will see as being the end time harvest. That doesn't mean that we have to go and yell at everybody to love Jesus and stand on the street with a sign. You can do that if you feel so pleased. But 
It's who we are. It's, it's, the, it's the fruit that comes from our lives that people start to see, wow, something's different. Wow, there's, there's, there's something over here. I want to understand and know more about what this is. We are a part of that end time harvest in the way that we water our trees, the way that we produce fruit, the way that we see who he is through the fruit that's given. Does that make sense? Does that challenge anyone? Yeah. God is pouring out on a people but it's not pouring into the old system that we thought. It's not pouring into a tank to uphold us, to, to go and use a hose to spray us. He's pouring out on a people so that we can understand what it's like for the trees to be fully soaked, to be fully drawn from the water, to be fully um, uh, new, full of nutrients, to be fully given to him to say, this is who you are. Watch what I'll do with you when you give yourself fully into me. Watch how big... I will make you, when you make this thing, a, a, a common occurrence. I share that, I even feel that for you. Watch what I'm going to do when this becomes a common occurrence. That this thing that you find so exciting will be small compared to the amount of times we will spend together, the amount of things that I will show you. So I just really feel for, for, for this time, we have to be careful as a people not to be wanting to come to get our little fill me up. That when you go home, when I go home, even this afternoon, that we want to stay drafted into the water, stay connected to the vine, stay drawing from him tomorrow and the day after, the day after, the day after. When we come back together, we come back pouring into each other from what we've been, what we've been receiving, giving to one another, experiencing, wow, that's what you've seen all week. That's what's drawn into me. Does that make sense? Awesome. Why don't we pray? Lord, God, we just come right now before you. Jesus, I thank you. God, I thank you that we can come in that place of worship, that we can lay before you, that we can hear your voice. Lord, open the eyes of our heart to see you again. Give us the strength, Father, to press into you even when we don't feel like anything's happening. Give us the strength, Father, to meet with you regularly, to come before you regularly. Help us, Father, move the roots of our tree to your water so that in this desert dry place, God, we are still so full of you. Lord, help us turn down the noise of the world, Father, and become receptive to your voice, to become receptive to that still, small voice. Jesus, we love you. We honor you, God. We glorify your name.